everything ties back to the liver. It's like the most central organ slash gland in our metabolism. And right now, the focus on the whole health and wellness community, including the medical community, should be on liver health, but it's not. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 232 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee. I'll be your co-host today along with my sister, Lauren, across the country. Hello, Hello. I am the sister tuning in from New York City. How are we doing today? Good. I am pumped up from this podcast. Me too. I love recording the intros right after because you're just like, oh, all the things I want to do and change and optimize. It's like super exciting. So we have a guest coming on for you today. We have Nurse Doza coming on to talk about liver health. And I think we're going to bust through some misconceptions around liver health. If you think, ah, my liver's fine, please listen to this whole episode because (laughs) – Everyone on this planet (laughs) needs to be thinking about their liver. Our liver is working 24-7, and we need to be supporting it all of the time. So love what he's doing. He's bringing some, like, really great awareness around this and awesome education in a fun, uh, fun, fun way. So... Yeah, he is fun. And I think, you know, we just had real conversations and he shared a lot of the real conversations he has with clients, and it really resonates. I think at the end of the day, we all just want to know, like, what are the real foundational lifestyle principles we can do? Of course, there's fancy liver supplementation and detoxes, and we can understand all these methylation pathways, and we should, but it really just comes down to like, can we eat more real whole foods, which are going to support the liver? I think we have to start there. So I really appreciated he started with that. So as Renee said, yes, we all need to pay attention to the liver more. And I think the first step is really just knowing that the liver processes everything. So if we can just slowly nix more and more of the processed foods, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Not just taking a liver supplement on top of your bad diet and what did he say? Margaritas on Friday night, things like that, right? It's like, how can we remove those things to optimize? Great. So Dr. Jonathan Mendoza, better known as Nurse Doza, is a highly accomplished and well-respected holistic family nurse practitioner and doctor of chiropractic. He is a nationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in functional medicine with a special focus on liver function, metabolic health, inflammation, hormone balance, energy, and personalized supplementation. He is pioneering the liver revolution and believes the key to optimal health and longevity lies in the liver. Nurse Doza is the owner of MSW Lounge in Austin, Texas, a hot spot for groundbreaking health and wellness services, including personalized lab work, vitamin-infused IVs, and red light therapy as well as educational resources to help people improve their health and well-being. He is also the host of the popular podcast, School of Doza, where he shares his knowledge and expertise on various health-related topics. His content has attracted millions of views and over 100,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah, he's definitely got a lot of great educational stuff online. We'll link to all of that in the show notes so you can check that out. But um, And yeah, and if you're in Austin, definitely go check out his place. It's the place Mm -hmm. to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we are definitely going to have him back on because 
we're just talking about one organ. We still have a million more questions. So we'd like to hear from you if you have specific questions about the liver and yeah, let us know what you think. Here we go. Hey, biohacker friends, before we dive into this episode, I just wanted to tell you real quick about a really exciting event coming up March 7th and 8th in LA. It's called Biohack Your Beauty. I will be there live. It's going to be an amazing two-day event. They are really combining aesthetics, biohacking, and holistic medicine all under one roof. So uh, I'll put more information in the show notes for today's episode so you can check that out, as well as a couple different discount codes. We have Early Bird. We have Family and Friends. Lots of great options. So go ahead and scroll down and grab your ticket today and hope to see you there. All right. Welcome, Nurse Doza, to the Biohacker Babes. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. We're going to talk about liver health, gut health. Um, I think liver health is really kind of a missing piece for a lot of people. I think they don't really know what's going on there. Sorry, there's something like in my eye. So I keep wiping my eye here. (laughs) It's your Um, liver. It's my liver. (laughs) But yeah, I think when like the average American hears liver health, they think like, oh, a liver detox or a juice cleanse, or maybe I should stop drinking alcohol. Like those are the things that I think the average person is thinking of, but it goes so much deeper, right? The connection to gut health, metabolic health, on and on and on. That's why you're here today to share more about that. So I think to kick us off, if you can maybe name one of what you think is the biggest misconception around liver health today. The biggest misconception is that someone thinks it's not happening to them. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So So, if I, I, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, so how, yeah. How do people know? Do we do lab testing? Are there signs and symptoms? How do we know? It's, it's kind of, okay. So I've been in clinical practice for about 14 years. And one of the things that I was trained to do was look at, uh, care for diabetes, heart disease, uh, even, you know, down the road, you know, some of the chronic stuff. And as I kind of like go to the root cause of everything, right, I kind of start seeing like, well, what's the bigger problem on our hands here, right? So if you talk to most practitioners, they'll say, oh, it's diabetes. Other people will say it's obesity, right? I'm going to say it's fatty liver disease, okay? And the reason why is because if you go to like most clinical statistical websites like the CDC, uh, you know, all that stuff, they'll say 1 billion people around the world have a fatty liver. And the same stats like the NIH and CDC say one in four U.S. adults have a fatty liver. And then if you go to Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinic, they say there's no signs or symptoms for a fatty liver. So what and then if I talk to my clients in here, they will literally have an ultrasound with fatty liver deposits on the report. And the doctor doesn't say anything. They just say you just have a fatty liver. That's what happens. So in reality, it's scarier than you think. And so what I really say is if they say one in four, I say one in two, just my standards. So look to your left or right. And you could say that person probably has a fatty liver or I do. Wow. Is ultrasound the only way to diagnose that? It's one of the ways I do lots of labs. So here's what's interesting about it. Like somebody will say you can pick it up on ultrasound, which I think is a very important thing for people to do once in a while, get an ultrasound. I mean, if anything, like your your organs, like you can get some soft tissue stuff. If you're worried, it's a really cost effective way to get, you know, looking at something right in due time. But then lab work is more feasible for a lot of people, right? Like you can afford to pay for labs out of pocket a lot of times and you can go pick and choose who you work with. So what I'll do in labs uh, is I'll order about, you know, five to six different lab panels to look at liver assessment because the way that I was taught is that like, yeah, there's four lab panels that you look at. I'm like, no, I'm going to look at like six to eight 
And I'm going to look at all the missing pieces and kind of tie it back because what I have found is this, everything ties back to the liver. It's like the most central organ slash gland in, uh, in, in our metabolism. And right now the focus on the whole health and wellness community, including the medical community should be on liver health, but it's not. Mm, Yeah. So I'm curious, coming back to, you you said doctors are like, oh, you have fatty liver, no big deal. Is it that they're not trained to realize this as a serious condition or is it they're, we're just relying on the simple biomarkers like AST, ALT, which maybe are not specific enough. Like I never see GGT. I never see serum bile acids unless I specifically ask for them. And even if I do, you know, there's pushback from physicians. So is it lack of understanding and education around it? Do we just need to be more specific with our testing? Yes, to all the above. So if there's a a lab section called a liver function test, like LFTs, right? And they have the same standard, like four panels across the board. So you go any practitioner across the country, they were trained to order the liver function tests. Well, back in the day, I believe it used to have GGT in there and they just removed that for some reason. And GGT is a lab marker that you can ask your doctor for. You have to literally ask because they won't order anymore. But um, Mm -hmm. the way I look at it is it's clinically an indicator of fatty liver disease. So you imagine that even in the liver function tests that are standardized across healthcare systems, we're not even including the, the liver for a uh, marker for fatty liver. That, that's one of the problems we have, right? Um, the other thing is that if you really look at it from a training perspective, addressing liver health, we don't understand the liver, but more importantly, there's no medication for the liver. If you think about it, all the medications you will ever consume go through the liver. They're metabolized through the liver. Even our supplements are, are metabolized there, but there's no direct medication to regenerate the liver. So for example, what people don't know about the liver, and so what we don't get is that the liver is the only organ that it's if it's completely healthy, you could cut it in half and it'll regenerate completely. There's no other organ that can do that. So then you say like, how much of a beating can the liver take before it turns cirrhotic? And so what will happen is in the ultrasound reports that people will get for their liver, um, they usually get an ultrasound because they have gallbladder issues, by the way, not because it's a, a fatty liver. It's because like I have pain in my right quadrant. And, you know, why? Why? I, every time I eat, you know, I'm like, yeah, because you're eating dairy every day. Like, that's why, you know, and you can't stop. But then, you know, they get an ultrasound like, oh, you have gallstones. That gallbladder is going to have to come out. They take the gallbladder out. Well, guess what's still there? Fatty liver. So then what will happen is you look at the markers. And, and what's interesting is if you've looked at labs, which I'm sure y'all have yearly, go back to the old lab markers, like the AST and the ALT. Even back then, the ranges were smaller. They've increased the markers, like they've increased the ranges for like, you know, blood pressure, right? Mm. Because the thing is, is like, do we lower our standards or raise everyone else's, you know? So it's like, okay. So then you say, well, everyone's going to have a fatty liver. That's just what happens. So the acceptance amongst the mainstream, like healthcare industries are that, we can't do anything about this. Like this is just going to happen. And, and we know that everyone really like the hospitals, practitioners, doctors, they all know what the culprit is. It's food. It's lifestyle. Like it's enough. It, the issue with diabetes, fatty liver disease, probably dementia in most cases, and even, you know, heart disease, most of it's lifestyle, right? Like if you look at what it takes in order to change someone's lifestyle in order to reverse a fatty liver, I can't tell you how many people will literally say, how do I fix my liver? And I'm like, okay, the easy part is telling you exactly what supplement to take. The hard part is getting you to stop eating cheeseburgers every Thursday at 5 p.m. because you're like, it's just habit. Yeah, it's so much easier to just put something else in rather than think about what we need to eliminate. And if you said there's no medication for the liver, elimination, 
potentially is the biggest step. And I think that's so fascinating about the ranges. I see ranges like, oh, ASC is 25. Well, I'm within range. Is that optimal? Hell no. Yeah. I mean, y'all have never accepted, you know, normal for anything, right? Like we want to be optimal. You know, the whole sense of biohacking is that like, I think I can be more, you know? So when I look at labs, for example, I look at labs and I just take it as objective data, right? Because it just tells me unbiased information about what's going on underneath your skin. So I don't have to guess, right? You know, and tests don't guess, right? So then I look at it and so I become a mechanic, right? I essentially have diagnostic scans of the entire body and the systems. And if you understand biochemistry and you understand genetics and you understand pathways, you understand all these gears and things are moving in real time. So what I imagine is someone comes in and they're like, I can't poop all the time. And I'm like, oh man, you have digestive issues. Okay. What's involved in the digestive tract? Okay. Let me check those systems and see which one has the light on. And if you go look at the ranges and they're out of range, Here's what most practitioners are taught. Nothing about labs other than to order it when it's indicated. If something's out of range, we send them off to a specialty. I've seen countless of people have abnormal ranges in their labs from traditional doctors. And they're just like, yeah, they never talked about that or they Mm -hmm. never mentioned anything. And even let's be more specific. Like uh, we'll talk thyroid real quick. Uh, The TSH, which is the the typical thyroid panel, uh, the range is like 0.2 to like 4.5 for most labs. Mm -hmm. My range yeah. is zero point two to two point one, so I, I don't. Because yeah, people bu- over two don't feel good, right? So why are you just going <laughs> to let it get out of control before you do something about it? You know, and so that's why I'm like, let's do something about the liver now before it gets out of control, because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, if someone wants to change their diet, if they're willing to make the changes, what would you say are like the top few foods that they should cut out or maybe include? Or both? Great question. Um, so it's funny. I've always done weight loss for years with people. It's one of my specialties. I love weight loss because it's nothing like getting someone to tell me uh, that they had to go buy a new wardrobe because, you know, like they just lost so much weight, you know, and they feel incredible and self-confidence, et cetera. But when I show them labs, I'm like, man, this is like really cool. I can see the changes in there. So like, you know, with, with uh, a lot of, a lot of the things that, you know, people come in with, they, they just want to feel better right? Like they just, that's all they want. Right. And so I've learned to just hear people and say, well, what is it you need from me? And they're like, I know what to eat. I just, I, I lose, you know, accountability. I lose focus. Right? I'm like, all right, well, let's keep this simple. Let's look at your diet. What do you eat on a typical basis? And they're like, I eat meat, you know, I either cook or I eat out, you know? Okay. That's, that's kind of standard across the board. Right. And so then you say, okay, this is easy. Can you eat salmon once in a while or chicken? And they're like, yeah, I can do that. Cool. All right. When you go out to eat, when you go to the Mexican restaurant, can you order fajitas, guac and onions and nothing else? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, or if they order the chips and, and, and queso, can you order the chips and guac? All right. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, no tortillas. And like, ah, I'm like, hey, if you're going to do the <laughs> chips, you know, we can't, we can have both here. Right. Yeah. And so, so that compromise. What it does is for most people, it allows them to put themselves in a position for one to also be aware of what's going on. Like they feel like they have some control, but it's not, that's not the setup. The setup is when I know they're sitting around at the dinner table with all their friends and it's Friday night and it's been a long week and they're stressed out and it's happy hour and they're just celebrating, right? And the margaritas start flowing, right? And I'm just like, man, why? And they're like, cause I want to feel good from it. And I'm like, but you don't feel good 
two hours later, we have this conversation, right? You eat too much sugar, eat too much rice, you drink too much wine or margaritas, and an hour or two later, you're not burning it off at the gym. You're going to bed, right? And so it wreaks your sleep. We measure all of our sleep on wearables, but you know what's fascinating? Nobody understands our wearable device information. They just use all the Apple watches and auras to track their calories and their steps. I'm like, look at your sleep. Look how your sugar and your margaritas are wrecking your deep sleep at night. And they're like, huh? Huh? Okay. Well, less margaritas. And I'm like, I mean, if you have to do it earlier in the day, can you do it earlier in the day? Because then you'll have a sugar crash and you'll be like, I can't do that again. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. So, right. Like, so it's, it's more of like, you have to look at people's personal everyday routine and hit them right there and say, look, I'm not going to be around to slap your hand and say, no, let's hold each other accountable because I don't have time for people who don't want to be accountable. Like if you're just going to say, you're not worth my time. And I've turned people away as clients Mm -hmm. because I'm literally like, we don't agree with each other. I want people who want to meet me halfway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the compromising is really important, at least just to get people stepping in the right direction, build the confidence that they can do that, right? Rather than going cold turkey, I think from a psychological perspective is tough, really tough. It's tough. Let's let's talk about addiction real quick. All right. Like if you don't mind. So like you imagine that someone comes in and they say, I have a fatty liver. Okay. And I'm like, cool. What are your favorite foods? All right. So then you go back to the idea of like what to cut out. If you told someone to cut out dairy and that was their favorite food in the world, they would stop listening to you the second you say you got to cut out dairy. Oh yeah. La la la. I'm out. It doesn't matter what credentials you have on the wall. Yeah. Mental block. You're taking away my favorite thing. And I say, but what does it do to you? So I like to explore that. Cause like I said, weight loss, I'm addicted to cheese. I'm addicted to salt. I'm addicted to sugar. Why? Why are you addicted to that stuff? And you say, well, I don't know. It makes me feel good. And Hmm. I say, okay, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. That's why you keep drinking 12 Pepsis a day. That's why you eat fast food five times a week because you think it makes you feel good. But I flip it on and say, how do you feel an hour afterwards? Like, I don't feel good. I said, so it's not true then. It's not true at all. So I say, okay, what does addiction really look like if you're addicted to something that doesn't make you feel good, right? You say, I need this in order to function. No one needs Pepsis in order to function, right? That's the first thing. And, And honestly, none of us are deficient in caffeine either. So we don't need coffee in order to function either. I hate to break it to a lot of people. Yeah. But if you say black coffee is great for your liver, it is. And so is green tea. One cup in moderation, maybe four cups. It has to be black coffee, it has to be straight up green tea. But you don't see drive through green teas, you know, at Starbucks, you know, unless it's loaded with what? Creamer, the sugar, and we're back to the You ask for a tea at Starbucks and they hand you a latte. I'm like, I didn't ask for a latte. They're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) It's like that big iced sugar tea. tea. (laughs) Yeah. And and you know what? What's fascinating is when you go back to it, this is the deepest part of our connections to our emotions is the food that we love, right? Like, for example, when I ask favorite foods for people, some people say creamer, like coffee creamer. Okay. Which is really interesting because when I started looking about uh, ketosis years ago, I was like, well, creamers are no, no. And that's when, you know, Bulletproof came out and it became like the thing. So all my clients were like, dude, I put butter in my coffee. Do you, you know, that's good for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why in the world would you put butter in your coffee? You're like, it's not, you know, I can't believe it's not butter. And it. it's like straight up like fat. And they start explaining. I'm like, huh? Okay. And I just start exploring more. And you start thinking, well, it's fat. 
that's what the body needs. The body needs fat. It's not carbs, right? So let's talk about carbs real quick and fatty liver disease. So years ago in nutrition, all my professors taught taught us that they said carbohydrates are the body's main source of gasoline. Okay. And like I said, if I'm a mechanic and I'm a car and you're a car, okay, you run off of three types of gasoline, carbs, proteins, and fats, right? So when you go to the pump to fill up, you have your choice, unleaded, medium, or super high premium. Well, guess what super high premium is? High octane, clean burning fat. The inferior gasoline is carbohydrates. But your body will take it because like we can do something with it. But something different happens to the body when you switch it to fats. Your liver gets healthier. Like imagine if you say, okay, I have a fatty liver. What diet should I follow? I'm like keto, paleo, whole foods, carnivore even. But here's the problem. And I'll, I'll tell you this because I'll talk to the meat mafia guys too about this. But like carnivore diet could also be like chicken, eggs, and salmon, right? Like, and so you imagine you say in moderation. So I'm saying even with all those things, I just have to get the person to eat real food, all right, that doesn't spike their blood sugar. Because where does all that excessive blood sugar go? It goes right back into your liver if you don't burn it off with exercise, right? So it's not about 2,000 calories in, 2,000 calories out. The human body functions better on a fasted state when you don't eat. That's why we can fast for five or six days and be just completely fine and regenerate and promote autophagy, right? We don't get to autophagy and longevity by eating all the time. I mean, and so you think about it, you say, okay, what can I do for my gut? Don't eat sugar. Don't eat carbs. What can I do for my fatty liver? Don't eat sugar. Don't eat carbs. What can I do for my brain? Don't eat sugar. Don't eat carbs. You're like, but wait, doesn't sugar fuel the brain? I said, go look up sardines. Go look up omega-3s. I literally have a can of sardines at my desk every day. You know why? Because it's brain food. Omega-3 fatty acid is what the brain's made out of, and the liver prefers omega-3s. Guess what the liver and the brain does not prefer? Omega-6s that come from beef and nuts. Mm. So it's it's just toxic oils that everyone's consuming. Right. So, but you know, I digress because like I said, this is me getting on my soapbox about it, but you can tell this is how I have to talk to people about their fatty liver because it's not as simply as saying here, just take this. Right. Yeah. You have to make those changes. And what if someone doesn't know if they have a fatty liver? Like what are maybe some signs or symptoms and maybe not even fatty liver, maybe even just like a sluggish liver, liver dysfunction. Like what signs should people be looking for? That's perfect. So this is going to go against everything that's said on the internet when it comes traditional. They say there's no signs or symptoms. This first sign or symptom that you have a f- issue with your liver is that you're tired in any way, in any way, okay. right? The second thing that you have an issue with your liver is that uh, your digestive tract is off in any way. The third thing that you have something off with your liver is your sleep's off, mm. right? And then, and then the fourth thing, if I just want to just heal it, you, you've gained weight, yeah, right? That's Which, a great list. And yeah. why, why the fatigue? Why the low energy? Why is that the number one? Ah, sign? so one, one of the things that people talk about is detox all the time, right? And they're like, oh, I, I support my liver. I do a liver detox. We have liver detox supplements. The liver has many functions. One of the things the liver does is it regulates all of our hormones, Every single one of them, thyroid, insulin, uh, cortisol, it, it, all of our hormones, estrogen, it's all regulated by the liver. So when someone has fatigue, they're tired, uh, they have afternoon crashes, right? Cortisol's through the roof. I'm like, they have hormone issues. And then they say, I'm tired. No one should be tired. Like, think about it. Y'all have gotten your energy, your focus, you've gotten everything to where it's like even keel because I've gotten that too. 
what happens when you have constant energy throughout the day, it doesn't come from coffee, right? It comes from the idea that you balanced your blood sugar all day and there's no drop in blood sugar, which means I don't have to go run to eat something, right? And mm -hmm. if I fast all day, which I do anyway, I can go till 6 or 7 p.m. at night before I eat because I, if I eat, it slows me down, right? Mm -hmm. So then I say, okay, if I eat, did it, and it made me tired. Does that mean my liver's off? And I said, yeah, because you can't digest the food you just ate. Like you should eat. And just like a baby, 20, 30 minutes, you're pooping it out. Mm. Right. Yeah. So should we be pooping three times a day after I, every meal? I, this was controversial because I told people that you should poop at least, you know, once a day. Okay. And okay. because I eat one meal a day. So like, you know, I'll usually in the morning and then, you know, at night, if I eat, you know, something, uh, but like some people don't do it once or twice a day, even that, like, so if you say, well, ideally maybe after a meal or maybe a couple times a day or once a day, perfect. I, I also look at it this way. When, if we're looking at digestion, I ask the hard questions, right? I ask straight up how many times people poop throughout the week. And I've had people tell me Fridays and Sundays. My yeah. college, uh -huh. my college roommate uh -huh. used to go, she used to go like 10 days. Without, yep. oh, I was like, yeah. "Where is it going? Right. Where is it going? Is it going? <laughs> right? That is a good question. And and you and you just think about it. The colon is 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 containing all the toxic material, right? That should be getting out of there. Where does it go? It stays there. Your colon becomes toxic. Go look at all the colon cancer rates and fast food restaurants that popped up throughout Asia, and just see if there's a coincidence. You say, "Yeah, we can't poop this toxic stuff out." Let's go to aspartame real quick, right? So diet sodas are worse than regular sodas for your liver. And the reason why is because when aspartame goes into your liver instead of regular glucose or sugar, it never comes out of the liver. Like there's something called gluconeogenesis, right? Where if you fast long enough, your body will release stored sugar from your liver. That's how you start pulling out the, the stuff from the refrigerator and clean out the liver, but you can't put stuff in there. And so what happens is the body, when you're fasted, it goes back to the liver and says, we need some energy. What sugar do you have in the liver? You know, so you go, you open up the liver, you look around, you're like, what's this aspartame? It looks like sugar. Huh? It's like 20 years old. Huh? We're not going to use it. So it closes the door on the liver and it goes looking somewhere else for sugar. So what happens is that aspartame never leaves your body. It turns into formaldehyde of all things. And then what we've looked at is the connection between the neurological connection between aspartame. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a direct connection, I bet, between fatty liver and aspartame consumption, right? Mm -hmm. So then you say, oh my yeah. gosh, what's, you know, should I drink sodas instead? I'm like, yeah, but maybe not at all. Like, you know, like, can we cut back water? The, le the lesser of two evils. Yeah. It's like, and, but, but we're pleading with people, right? Like I said, um, yeah. I live in a bubble because in Austin, I can get gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, made organic. This guy made it with his bare hands this morning. And, you know, like, I. but if I go to San Antonio, they're like, gluten-free? And I'm like, oh, man, just give me some meat or some, you know, chicken eggs and avocado and I'll figure out from there, you know? Because yeah. the thing is, people ask me straight up, like, well, what do you eat? And I'm like, I eat whatever I need to eat because the honest truth is my liver genetically is off. Uh, is it, have y'all heard of the MTHFR gene? Yeah, oh, we yeah. both have a uh, variant. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, Homozygous. the so heterozygous. The, yeah. So, so I have, um, I have both genes that are the worst ones. Okay. And so I looked at my parents' MTHFR genes and they have the worst ones. And I've tracked my, my labs and my parents' labs for the last decade. And I've ordered genetic panels. I've ordered liver marker panels and biomarkers, hormone panels, I've, everything, right? 
And I say, genetically, my liver doesn't work as well as it should because of my MTHFR mutation. And years ago, they said, oh, if you have an MTHFR issue, you have an issue with your B9. Okay. Your liver stores more B9 than anywhere else in the body. Okay. Like half your body. And you're going to say, well, it's water soluble. I'm like, I'm telling you, the liver stores all your nutrients, all your vitamins, all your minerals, all your electrolytes, because what happens when you eat liver organ meat? All your nutrients go up, right? Especially if it's healthy or, you know, free range. So I have people that come in and they say, I want to, I want to measure my labs. I've been on carnivore. I've been on paleo. I've been keto. Honestly, when they say they've been vegan, I cringe because I'm like, God bless. You're going to be deficient in everything. And so then I say, okay, <laughs> let's look at your labs and solely based off your labs. Let's look at the markers that are off and your nutrition that's off. Genetically, you have to process all that. And guess what? It's all processed through the liver. Most of your MTHFR genes are in the liver and your brain. And so what I've learned is the liver won't function. And there's lots of pathways in the liver with the MTHFR. What are you affected by? Is it detox, DNA repair, neurotransmitter production, uh, absorption, metabolism, reduction of inflammation, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, that darn motherfucker gene. <laughs> yeah. Darn motherfucker. So yeah. um, can we talk about some micronutrients? I mean, uh, would love to circle back to like real whole foods that are providing these micronutrients, yep. but things like aminos, B vitamins, the things that are feeding this phase one, phase two detoxification. What's up, biohackers? Do you know if you're getting enough magnesium? Because four out of five Americans are not. And that's a big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 500 biochemical reactions in your body and probably many, many more. So today we want to talk to you about the most common signs to look for that could indicate that you are magnesium deficient. Listen carefully because there's going to be a special offer happening at the end, but here's the list. Are you irritable or anxious? Do you struggle with insomnia? Do you experience muscle cramps or twitches? Do you have high blood pressure? Are you constipated sometimes? There are dozens of symptoms of magnesium deficiency, but really these are the top and most common ones we see today. Now, what most people don't know is you can't just run to the store and grab any magnesium supplement off the shelf because a lot of them actually don't work. They're using really cheap magnesium and then your body can't even absorb it. And that's why we really like recommending Magnesium Breakthrough. It's full spectrum magnesium. It has seven unique forms of magnesium in it. And then your body can actually use those and absorb them. And what's really cool about bioptimizers in general, if you don't like the supplements, you can get a full refund, no questions asked. They're so confident behind all of their products that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So if you're concerned about your magnesium levels and you want to give it a try, head over to bioptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes. I'll put that in the show notes too, so it's easy to find. And then use promo code at checkout, biohackerbabes10. That will get you a discount. Plus, if you act fast before they run out, they are offering two travel size bottles of the Magnesium Breakthrough with your order. All right, so bioptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes. All right, let's get back to the show. So I love vitamins. Full disclosure, I have a supplement company. Full disclosure, I have a vitamin bar here in Austin. My clinic is a vitamin bar where you can get vitamin drinks and vitamin IVs. And what I found is that people are really malnourished. And if you give them a recipe that works for their genetics, they function better, right? So I imagine I concoct this you know, IV for them or this drink, and guess what? They come home and they say, I pooped better. And I'm like, that's awesome. That meant it worked. That meant the liver was functioning. I go look at their labs, their liver markers come down. You're detoxifying the liver. The inflammation markers come down. The liver makes antioxidants. We're winning the battle against inflammation. 
Okay. One of the things that I pride myself on, I give NAC and glutathione IVs. Now, for anyone that's interested, NAC in acetylcysteine is the most potent liver detoxer that you can find. And what's incredible about it is, is since it's the most potent liver detoxer you can find, that means that your liver was designed to reduce inflammation in the body. Okay, like if you have damage from anything you eat, drink, whatever, your liver was designed to break it down and get rid of it so it doesn't belong in your body with the help of things like anacetylcysteine and glutathione, which come from the liver. Now, some people say, I take NAC because it makes glutathione in my body. That is true. However, NAC needs the help of cofactors, certain trace minerals and amino acids and even vitamins in order to convert NAC in order to glutathione, things like vitamin B6, okay? Things like uh, magnesium, okay? So when you talk about it, you say, well, I did a hair analysis test. It told me I'm deficient in magnesium. I'm like, yeah, probably. Just go look at the soil. Like everyone's deficient. Just yes, assume, probably. <laughs> yeah, just assume you're deficient. Yeah. You're, so you're alive on this planet. You're deficient. Right, you're alive on this planet and you're not in the blue zones right now. So I know, you, you know, you're eating, you know, fortified, whatever, right? So then I say, okay, well, just take what your body needs. And they say, well, do I need uh, uh, magnesium? I'm like, yeah, but there's like three or four magnesiums out there. Like, you know, we have a theronate, magnesium theronate, which helps with uh, the brain function, you know, and there's malate, there's glycinate. So I'm like, I don't know, take something, see if you start pooping better, see if you start losing some weight, do some knack, just flush out the liver. It's like a refrigerator, right? You got to clean it out. When I give knack IVs to people, it helps with several things. It helps with inflammation. It helps with liver. It even thins mucus. Like it, it thins yeah. mucus, right? And and what's cool is if you overdosed off of Tylenol, like acetaminophen, it would kill your liver. They would send, people would send you to the ER and guess what they give you in the ER? A bag full of anacetylcysteine. So it's- oh, but they don't tell you that. <laughs> they don't yeah. tell you that, but actually it's listed as an essential medication in the book of who, you know? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I remember when they took it away from us for a little while, I'm like, oh, because people are catching on. Yeah, that was a right. scare. I had someone, I think that year bought like, they said, I bought two kilos of neck online. So I'm like, oh my God. You're, They're I'm like sudden awesome. drug dealers for NAC. <laughs> yeah, now we're buying kilos of neck here. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was helping people with, you know. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh. What about choline, specifically phosphatidylcholine? Ooh, I love phosphatidylcholine. So years ago, uh, we had phosphatidylcholine as an injection. And we still have it now. It, but the, the form that we had before, you felt like a nootropic when you took it. Okay? Mm. Like we, it was, it was, we call it brain. Yeah, we called it brain candy. And what would happen is you took it afterwards. You're like, oh, man, I get a bunch of stuff done. And I, I, I've never taken Adderall, but I imagine that's what it feels like because you're just like, let's get some stuff done. And then you feel great and you're focused. You're thinking two steps ahead like that. Like but you can sleep after. after. <laughs> but you can sleep afterwards. Yeah. And so, like I said, the biohacking movement came in. I was discovering phosphatidylcholine. These biohackers would come in like, have you heard of Alpha Brain? I'm like, well, no, what is that? And so they started telling me about it you know, years ago. And I'm like, that sounds cool. And they're like, limitless, this movie and everything. I'm like, okay, so what does phosphatidylcholine do? Or choline, I'm sorry, uh, phosphatidylcholine, your methylation factors and your systems in there, what they do is they take the phosphatidyl and they break it in half. And the choline part is an essential amino acid. The choline you can even find in chicken egg yolks, right? And the liver loves choline. The liver loves choline. Guess what causes choline deficiency? 
medications, typical standard American diet, alcohol. So you imagine, could I make the case that most chronic illnesses are choline deficiency and we should all be supplementing with choline? Yes, we should. But what happens with the phosphatidyl part of the choline, this is important. When you take the phosphatidyl part, the phosphatidyl then coats all your cells and helps form your cell membranes. So guess what your cell membranes can do? They're healthy. And what happens when you have healthy cell membranes? They can communicate in a healthy way with one another like a synapsis. Mm. So you imagine dementia is probably a deficiency of choline as well. Mm -hmm. okay. And are you looking at um, genetic mutations for that as well? For, for dementia? For choline specifically. Oh, for choline. Um, you know, I'd be curious. Do you know? I, I don't know if what test specifically would, would be for choline off the top of my head. I'm sure y'all might know or, or someone else might know, but. Um, I know I have methyl, I have methylation abnormalities that point towards I need to be really good about my choline supplementation. Yeah. Well, same, same. Okay, okay. So then that makes sense. So um, have you ever heard of a trimethyl gly uh, glycine or betaine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I take CMG. TV, okay. Yeah. All right. So in your methylation cycle, there's, uh, this is really cool. There's something called methionine, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what happens is the methionine is an amino acid. You find it in the shell of chicken eggs. And what happens is the methionine takes the methyl B12 and then it converts it to homocysteine. Okay. And homocysteine is a marker you can measure in labs. Homocysteine is the precursor to N-acetylcysteine, which is the precursor to glutathione. High amounts of homocysteine due to MTHFR issues or B vitamin deficiency leads to an increased risk for stroke and dementia. We've known this for years. Um, but what happens in that cycle, guess what converts the homocysteine back to methionine? Trimethylglycine or betaine. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so you imagine if you have a methylated issue, I'm like, you need to be taking trimethylglycine or betaine and, and not just methyl B12. Because the issue is you can load up on B12 and you still won't override your MTHFR issue. Because a lot of people are also deficient in B9 and B6. So if, you're, if you have an MTHFR issue, think of it this way. You need probably more nutrients than most people, and you probably over-metabolize or under-metabolize, like, like Ben Lynch talks about, dirty genes, right? Like you over-methylate, you under-methylate. That was one of the guys I learned about my stuff from years ago, and I was like, that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. And so, so I, we give B12 shots here, right? So one of the B12 shots we give is methylcobalamin, okay? And all, we'll give that to like 10 different people. Well, two of the people will come back and say, I felt good for 30 minutes, but then like I crashed hard. I'm like, oh, you overmethylated. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I have something else here called hydroxocobalamin. Mm -hmm. That's a longer acting B12. And guess mm -hmm. what? You get that as injectable, no crash. Mm -hmm. mm. Right? And, and that's the thing. Yeah. You have to just see like, what do your genetics do for you, right? That's why I think having your genes done and your SNPs are important. It's such oh, an important yeah. distinction because all these supplements are just pumping it with all the methyl cofactors. But some people do need the folinic acid or the hydroxyl or the adenosyl. And we're not talking about that. It's like, you can't even find a supplement without methylated B vitamins anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. But 10 yeah. years ago, it was totally different. Yeah. I and I, I, now it's I, like I guess, everyone's methylated. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you all this. So supplements have come a long way. What would you say is like an essential supplement for the liver? NAC, I, amino acids, B vitamins. I think some milk, thistle, taurine, yeah, milk thistle, taurine. Dim. Yeah. Yep. That's where my brain goes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. But yes, with yes, the, yes. The genetic factor. So something that I've learned. So I'm like Lauren, I need choline. And I, so I have a PC product on my counter. I should probably take it more often, but I also do really well with glutathione. 
So like some people, you know, you have to do the NIC and the cofactors for that conversion, but I can actually just take glutathione according to my genetics at least. Yeah. So here's, here's one thing. I still think lab markers like biomarkers override genetics anytime. Cause here's, what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, let's, let's say I take MTHFR, I take homocysteine, go back to GGT, right? We talked about, do mm-hmm. y'all know what GGT also you can look for with it? Um, glutathione production. Yeah. They're so, oh, synonymous. Okay. Yeah. It's synonymous, right? So if I have high GGT, I have low glutathione production. If I have high homocysteine, I have low glutathione production. If I look at the MTHFR gene and it's off on somebody, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to assume they probably don't make it. I can go look at the homocysteine and confirm it, right? But then some people just say, well, why don't I just take glutathione all the time? I say, okay, here's how I look at glutathione. Glutathione, master antioxidant. I give it an IVs. But here's the thing. What if we can make it on our own? Isn't, shouldn't that be the goal, right? Can we get your body to make it on its own? And so at that point, we just say, what is the recipe? You know, and so then you say, well, it's not all B12. I need choline. I need betaine. I need, you know, maybe I do need more tryptophan. You know, maybe, I maybe, maybe what I'm doing is um, I'm polluting it by also, uh, you know, doing something I shouldn't, you know, like alcohol and stuff. But real quickly, because I know you'll have a few more questions. I just want to mention one more thing. You mentioned dim and milk thistle. I, if any women are listening to this, which I'm sure a lot do, my biggest goal would be if for all the mothers talk to their daughters when they're able to understand it, that tell them to support their hormones at the earliest age possible to start supporting their estrogen at the earliest age possible. And the best way to do it is take a supplement for the liver or support something for the liver because your liver regulates estrogen production and girls that have problems with acne, they have problems with fertility. They have problems with PCOS. They have problems with, you know, uh, endometriosis. They have a problem with their liver. Okay. I almost guarantee you it. Okay. Which means that when they were a teenager, they got by eating a bunch of crappy fast food and they didn't gain weight because they were athletes. But how many swimmers, runners, and gymnasts, have you talked to around the age of 13 to 17, did not have a period, okay? And they're eating fast yep. food and then someone- Ballet dropped- dancer. Well, I didn't, ballet eat fa- I didn't really eat fast food, but ballet dancer. I didn't have a yeah. period till I was 15. Right. I was bad, and, but- and, and so that's the thing. I wish somebody would said, hey, take look into milk thistle, you know, start taking B vitamins, you know, and, and imagine- would your hormones be healthier? Yeah, they probably would be. And that's why I always talk about like menopause, like, like you shouldn't put yourself into menopause earlier than what you imagine. But imagine if you have a fatty liver, you're going to send yourself into menopause in your thirties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's important for women across the entire hormonal transition, right? On an infradian rhythm, when the hormones drop off, you should be supporting liver definitely in perimenopause. The number of clients I've had that have come and their doctors just said, we'll just put you on um, birth control to ease the symptoms. And they haven't talked about liver or gut health. Like you're Never. just going to clog it up even more. Never. Oh, here's here's one more oh. for you. So my mother went, is a breast cancer survivor. And she's also a, di- a recovering diabetic, actually. And so uh, she's had every organ from her digestive tract pretty much removed except her liver and her stomach. And she had liver issues as a kid. Well, she has an MTHFR issue. And so I said, mom, I think your liver was horrible your whole life. And I think you couldn't regulate your estrogen. Did you know that you make estrogen from your fat cells? And she said, I did not know that. I said, yeah, you make this really inflammatory estrogen from fat cells that are inflamed. And I have this theory that the liver couldn't dump out all that inflammatory estrogen from your body and it just stayed in your body. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me like, huh? And so I go to oncology. 
and I go to all her oncology appointments and no mention of nutrition in any visit for her oncology appointments, her radiation, no mention. And I looked up the MTHFR gene again because the first time I heard about it was from oncology. There's something called DNA methylation. When you have oxidative stress from cellular free radical damage, it attacks the cells, disintegrates them, and guess what repairs the cells and repairs the DNA? Methylation. My mom couldn't methylate. She couldn't DNA repair her cells, and she kept gaining weight and polluting her liver, and it just... And I was like, God bless mom. I wish I would have known this like years ago, but maybe this can help so many other women. And, and so you imagine, and I had, I spoke to an oncologist not too long ago. She's like, I love vitamins. I, I'll send people here. I said, yeah, but can you do one favor for me? Can you just talk about the liver? And she's like, huh? I said, look, you're putting through all that chemo. You're killing their liver with all of it. Can you at least start replenishing the liver? Can you give them some vitamin C, some B vitamins, some glutathione? So I have people that come in and see me and they tell me, they're like, yeah, I'm just depleted. And I'm like, man, like, I wish you could at least start, like, take some nutrients, take something, at least it'll give you, you know, a little bit of something to help you fight this and, and continue to do that. Right. And, and thankfully my mom, like I said, survived. But ever since then I said, okay, there's, what's going to happen, mom, you are going to fix this liver thing. All right. So you're going to take supplements every day for the rest of your life. And she's like, okay, am I going to lose weight? Maybe. I mean, she went keto, lost 50 pounds. I'm like, there we go. Right. That's so great. it's all. It's, it's all part of the process, right? But it's that behavior change what I was talking about at the beginning. How do I get you to stop eating the cheeseburgers? They make me feel good, but you don't feel good afterwards. And here on the labs, your liver shows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to keep yeah. helping people connect how they really feel to how what they're eating. And, yep. and hopefully in the oncology space, we're going to see a change. You know, there's people doing the work that you're doing and spreading the message. And hopefully that is going to change over the next few years, decades, um, to yeah. get that information out there. Cause I had a family member that recently went through stage four cancer. She's in remission. She's doing great now, but, uh, again, no, no talk about nutrition. So crazy change. Yeah. I want to go other end of the spectrum. Cause I know we don't have a ton of time left, but we do have a lot of healthy listeners. Like people here eat real food. They're yeah. motivated. Yeah. They're motivated. So I'm curious for the people that are eating healthy and they're taking a lot of supplements. What about any danger of the liver having to process the enormous long list of supplements we have have to (laughs) take, choosing to take, and if we have time, the impact of negative thoughts or stress, like emotional health on the liver? I love it. I I can I can start with that right now. Uh, So the the stress of eating too many supplements is not really going to stress the liver so much. It'll probably stress your gut. Cause that's where you're originally going to support that. So if you, here's another thing, fatty liver and leaky gut go hand in hand. The leaky mm-hmm. gut starts the fatty liver. I mean, so imagine like everything just falling through anyway, you look at their labs, you're like, why is your vitamin D still 30 something? Oh, I'm taking 5,000 units. I'm like, you're not even absorbing it. And it converts yeah. to vitamin D three through the liver. So your liver's not converted. Okay. We got to start all over. Right. Yeah. So, so I look at it and I'm a minimalist, right? Like I don't want to take 30 pills a day. So what I do is I stack things, right? And I combine things and make the recipe work. So with supplements, think about it this way. It's a healthy stress. Okay. So let's just talk about stress real quick and we'll go into your negative thoughts. Stress is stress, whether it's, it's your family stress, your financial stress, whatever stress is stress. The sun can be too stressful, right? Work can be stressful. It's constant. You can't get rid of it. People are like, oh, I'm just too... You love your stress. You love working all the time. Let's be honest. You love traveling. 
But what happens is your body has to respond to that stress. And if you don't respond well, you react and inflammation comes in. The root cause of all disease is inflammation. There's two ways the body detoxes inflammation, sleep and the liver. Okay. So you imagine I have negative thoughts. Okay. I read this study. I can't find anywhere, but I know I read it years ago. So there's this lab called HSCRP. All right. High sensitivity C-reactive protein, a lab that every single person who wants to promote longevity should be ordering every single year for their labs for optimization. Your optimization range should be 0.5 and lower. This HSCRP usually is indication for heart disease, but I look at it as low grade inflammation because HSCRP is a liver protein. The liver kicks this protein out whenever there's inflammation. So the cutoff for this range is one. So if you're above one, you have inflammation. You know how many times that I see this in labs and the range is eight and like, well, the doctor didn't say anything about my 4.5. I'm like, you're inflamed right now. Like there's a fire burning and your liver's pissed and it's giving us a signal. You need to do something, right? So this is one of the optimization things. You say, okay, I get my testosterone done. I'm like, yeah, so what? Your HSCRP is still high. You're eating too many cheeseburgers or you're working out too much or you're not getting the deep sleep that you should be because you do have one too many drinks every once in a while. So you say, okay, I want to be serious in 2024. I want to promote longevity. What do I do for my liver? I said, you promote fasting. Okay. And when you break your fast, you eat healthy, local organic meats and animal protein. You take wild caught fish or fatty omega-3, right? You take some knack. I'll promote my supplement, Liver Boost, right? It has NAC, alpha-lipoic acid, milk thistle, resveratrol, quercetin, selenium. I mean, there's lists of things you can take, all right? And if you think about it, you want to be truly serious about it. You throw in prolonged fasting once a week, every other week, once a month. Like I'm talking like three days, right? And you say two or three days, you say, okay. And every time I do that, I, I do a liver detox. I go and boom, I just clean out the liver because the liver is like a refrigerator. And all these biohackers out here have basically said, well, I've gotten healthy in the last four or five years because I had my autoimmune disorder. I had my story. I'm like, yeah, but 20 years ago when you were a teenager, you were eating crap and it's still in your liver because you have an MTHFR issue and you can't pull the aspartame out. So then you say, what can I do? And I say, go further. And they're like, how much more? I'm like, just live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle every day. And that's how you promote longevity. When you promote anti-inflammatory and you go back and you look at your HSCRP, it's in range. Your hormones are in range. Your nutrients are in range. There are optimal ranges. Now you're ready to promote autophagy, mitochondrial biogenesis, and life extension. You know, National Geographic came out and said caloric-restricted diets, rampamycin, and metformin can all extend your life. I go talk to the stem cell guy and he goes, yeah, but if you have horrible mutated genes and stem cells, why would you want to prolong that lifespan with that? Wouldn't you want to have healthier stem cells to begin with? You know. So then I just say we're cars. If you want to be a vintage car that lives to 100, you have to have oil, you have to have new tires. I mean, like, but you have to maintain what you have already. And so, like I said, I'm 42. Uh, I check my labs every year. I fast. I eat super healthy when I can, but I still love chocolate. So I eat healthier chocolate nowadays. I get really good sleep. I measure my sleep with my BioStrap. I have a BioLite. I have an Opus sound bed. Um, I uh, take supplements every day religiously. I do infrared sauna and belly breathing every single day. 
I have mantras and manifestations. I basically know that life is just vibrational energy and we're all full of atoms that are bouncing off one another. So I surround myself with people like y'all who who basically are the change that we need in this world. And and every day, you know, I just stay humble. And and every day I tell people, look, I was 20 years ago, I was 50 pounds heavier. All right. I was drinking wow. tons of alcohol. Um, if you I so if I find a picture, I'll show it to you. You won't recognize me. So mm-hmm. I tell people, this is my story is your story. I was pre-diabetic. I had heart disease risk, you know, MTHFR issues. I was on my way. And I said, nope, not for me. And so I'm at my diet's changed every year. So my supplements and they will again in the future. So, but I, I welcome it. Right. And this is all fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a I great think the takeaway is that it's not just a protocol. It's a lifestyle, right? We can't just drop in and do this for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. You have no. to keep up leveling. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. see some college. I, I'm gonna see some college buddies in a couple of weeks, and they're gonna say like, "So like, how? So you just eat healthy? Is that just what you do?" I'm like, "Yeah, like I just I just do that." <laughs> they're like, "How how long do I have to do this for?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Well, how long do you feel good for?" And they're like, "I don't know forever." I'm like, "Well, there's your answer." <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a on a side note, I know we got to go, but on a side note, there was two clients I had yesterday, long term clients that've been here for like four or five years. One's eighty, the other one's eighty one. And they happen to run into each other because, like I said, in my clinic, all walks of life, but you, two 80-year-olds run into each other. And they said, you look pretty good. And the other person goes, you look pretty good, too. And he goes, well, it's this place here that's helping me out, you know, staying me, keep healthy. And to me, I'm like, yes, in 80, two 80-year-olds that are healthier, you know, now than what they used to be. And we helped them, you know. So it is possible awesome. that longevity is way beyond what we even imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. There's so much potential. That's, that's so cool. It sounds like a, the start of a joke, like two 80 year olds walk into an IV <laughs> clinic. Yeah. Right. What do they say? They drop yeah. some mad. <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I, I think there's just so much potential for things that we can do to optimize our health through the liver and all the things you mentioned. So thank you. Um, I know you have to run. So if you can just leave our audience with one final piece of advice, something they should do today to optimize their health, what would that be? Um, well, let's just stick with the liver, take a supplement, like straight up, just take a supplement and then work on all the lifestyle changes. That'll be the hard part. Easy part is take the supplement. And if if you want, like I said, a plug our liver boost by MSW nutrition. Um, I mean, it's pretty cool. I've I've given it to people for years and it works. So. And that's that's something that, uh, that people should take every day. Pretty much. Well, I have an MTHFR issue and the liver boost uh, supports it. So I take one minimum a day, but some people need no two or three. Yeah. Bio-individual. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people just do like four for like a month, like a couple of times a year to kind of cleanse everything. Right. And then start over again. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your advice. And we will um, (laughs) point our audience towards your, uh, where can they find you? Is there one website? And if they're in Austin, they can come see you. Yeah. Um, easy website, nursedoza.com, nursedoza.com, all the links there. And on a side note, we have a school, an online school. Uh, in fact, actually, that's why I'm getting off right now. I teach live classes every week. Uh, it's a health topic this week's digestion. You can ask me anything afterwards. It's really cool. It's almost like Zoom. It's on the circle community, something that y'all should look at too, right? But tuition oh. starts at $1 and I'm straight up your professor. So you should look at it. Schoolofdoza.com forward slash sign up. Amazing. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Awesome. Change in the you. world. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nurse well, Doza. For, yeah. Thanks, nurse, nurse Doza, for joining us. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We will see you next time. 
love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.